Beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, I did not write these words. I wasn't inspired to say them in the written in Scripture. So don't stone me when I say them. If you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. If you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. These are the words of St. John the Theologian in his first epistle. This Sunday is Meet Fair Sunday, also known as Judgment Sunday. Last week, we have been reading from the Gospel of Mark, and we ended Friday with the crucifixion of our Lord. And then yesterday... Morning was All Souls Saturday, so we gathered here and we prayed for our loved ones who have fallen asleep in the Lord, and we read all their names and we called them to mind. So we reflected on our Lord's death. Yesterday morning here we gathered and reflected on our own death. And now this morning we're reminded that within our own death comes our judgment. If you say you love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. This morning at Matins, at the end of Matins, Matins is just an amazing service, we read or prayed these words. What fear shall reign on that day? When the judge will be seated on his awesome throne, the books will be opened and the deeds revealed. The works of darkness shall be made known. The angels will travel through the nations and gather all. Come, all you princes and king, slaves and free, just and sinners, poor and rich. For the judge is coming to settle accounts with the whole world, who will be able to bear his sight when the angels are witnesses to uncover our deeds of thoughts and desires, those by day and those by night? Oh, what fear there shall be on that day! But before the end, O oh my soul, hasten to cry out, I am returning to you, O Lord. Save me in your goodness. If you say you love God and hate your neighbor, you're a liar. For if you hate your brother whom you see, how can you say you love God whom you do not see? It is He who gave us the law, that if you love God, you must, He says, love your brother. This relationship of our salvation connected to our love for one another 
is the metric by which we are going to be judged. Not on how much you've read, how much you've accomplished in your earthly life, how perfect you make the sign of the cross or your bows. It's how well you loved your brother. Jesus teaches this uh, throughout the Gospels. One in particular, if you will remember, there was a young man that had come to Jesus, a young lawyer, and there was asking him, talking to him, and then the lawyer asked him, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And at the end of the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asked those around him, the leaders, Of all the men, of the man that came to the man who fell in with robbers, who was the neighbor? And they responded, the one who did him mercy. The one who did him mercy. If you say you love God and hate your neighbor, you're a liar. Jesus takes up this mantle again in our gospel today, does he not? We learn some things here, despite what the world might say. That Jesus is coming again. That the angels are going to be with him when he comes. It says that we're going to be gathered together. And it says we're going to be judged, separated as sheep from goats. And we hear in our gospel today how Jesus is saying, this is why you're going to be judged. Did you help your brother in need? Did you feed him? Did you clothe him? Did you visit him, comfort him? How did you treat your brother? Jesus gave us a new law, you know. Love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He died for the very people that mocked him. He died for the very people that behind his back were ridiculing him conspiring against him. He died for them that they may have an opportunity for new life. He died for the one that hit him with a whip. He died for the one that hit him on the head with the crown, where the crowns were on. He died for the one who pounded the nails. He died for the one who made the wood, he di- or cut the wood. And he died for the one who pierced a, side, pierced a sword into his side. He died even for Judas Iscariot. But Judas chose not repentance and was lost. But he was willing to die for him. Are you willing to die for someone who conspires against you? Are you willing to take a bullet for someone who thinks differently than you? Are you willing to suffer for someone who is completely against what you believe? So that they may be saved by your witness? 
We're not going to be judged on how many rosaries we said. Though those are important because they form our heart. But if they don't form our heart in love, then we've gained nothing. If we go around saying we love God and yet we find ourselves attacking our neighbor in one form or another, we have to question our love for God. Now, there are some people out there that do bad things, and I'm not saying that to love them condones what they do. But we have to make sure that our love sees that person for who they are, created in the image and likeness of God. Pure love sees that. And then the heart aches that they may become illumined to the truth. Can you separate that? And not objectify the one that you hate, but love them and be able to pray with an open heart for their conversion and for your own. When he comes, those little secrets in our hearts, what we've harbored in our hearts against one another, are going to be made known. Our actions based on what Jesus has told us in the Scriptures, are going to be what's going to judge us. We create our own path. Jesus says, this is how you go, but you have the choice. If you say you love God, but hate your neighbor, you're a liar. Hard words but sobering. We need to be sobered up and recognize that our faith isn't just about feeling good. is isn't just about making our posture in the church perfect, but it's about the posture of our hearts that needs to be reflecting the love of God. Do we reflect that love of God? Love one another, he says, as I have loved you. Sometimes we do things, and, and, but in our hearts we grumble for somebody. We do it for somebody, but in our hearts we're not happy to do it. Was that done for love of brother, even though we did it? Was it done for love of brother? No. Guilt, maybe. Did it build them up? No. Did it build you up? No. It made you even less than a Christian that you were called to be. In every action, it's supposed to be done with the fullness of love in our hearts. Without harboring a desire's thought to injure another, either in our words and our deeds or our actions. Right? We are called to be Christ to the world. And we can't do that if we do not truly love our brothers from our hearts. Jesus has told us time and time again that this is what, it's called, what we're called to do, who we're called to be. Now you may not like me, not like the words I say, 
But I didn't write them. Our Lord did. And we chose to be baptized and we chose to live out, and maybe you were too young for that choice, but at some point you just chose to live out a Christian life. Now you are obliged, as well as me, to live that life you're called to. There's no wiggle room. There's no squirming we can get out of it. This is just the reality. But if we commit ourselves to it, commit ourselves to love, then we will find great peace and joy in our lives. A purpose that we would not have expected to find. And this is what we're called to. So this is Judgment Sunday. And as we go through this coming week, we will hear the end of our Lord's life in Luke's Gospel and end next Friday at His crucifixion. And then next Sunday will be a Sunday that we will embrace wholeheartedly because of this Sunday. For next Sunday is Forgiveness Sunday, where we will ask for forgiveness from one another, from all the things that we have harbored in our hearts throughout the year. And we will free ourselves from that burden so that we can open our hearts up and go out into the desert and experience Christ during the great fast in a new and rich way. For a time is coming. What fear shall reign on that day when the judge will be seated on his awesome throne? The books will be opened and the deeds revealed. The works of darkness shall be made known. The angels shall, will travel through the nations and gather all. Come, all you princes and kings, slave and free, just, sinners, poor and rich, for the judge is coming to settle accounts with the whole world. Who will be able to bear his, this sight when the angels are witnesses to uncover our deeds, thoughts, and desires, those by day and those by night? Oh, what fear shall be on that day. But before the end, O oh my soul, hasten to cry out. I am returning to you, O oh Lord. Save me in your goodness. God has given this time for us, for our souls to cry out for forgiveness. So let us in these coming weeks on our way to Pascha cry out that we may be forgiven, that our hearts may be changed from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, capable of loving unconditionally, as Christ has taught us to do. Okay. We had Meet Fair Week, and this is Meet Fair Sunday. So we have said goodbye to me, ideally. We've eaten up the meat in the house. It's the stuff that won't last until possible. And so now... We're going into Cheese Fair Week, and we say goodbye to cheese and dairy and all of those things. And so when we come to Cheese Fair Sunday, that would be the end of all of that, when we go through the past. So I'm going to give you prescriptions to, to guide you in your Lenten journey. The Byzantine Church, the ideal is always the Manaspar. Now, unless you live on Mount Athos or in Russia and have done this for a while in the spiritual director, I do not recommend it. But this is, we need to know what the, the model is. We need to know 
puts out there, right? Too often we shoot too low. So it would be during the break fast. No beans, no dairy, no cheese, no poultry, no fish with the spine. I'm talking the little strip, the nasty one. Nothing with the spine. No wine and oil. All those things were considered a rich food. It could stir the passions. The monks were always about calming the passions, having the foods that wouldn't stir in their minds the, the passions, especially rich meats and things. And so that's where we get it from. Now, that's there. And maybe some of us one day will do that even in our own lunch. The minimum, and we should be doing this anyway, the minimum is on the clean Monday, which is February 15th for us, the first day of Lent for us. No meat, no dairy, no poultry. No meat, dairy, poultry, oil. It's a strict fast, a very strict fast in absence. So it's, uh, we abstain from the foods and we fast until noon, or if you're really good, you can fast till after Vespers that night. I can't, I get shaky during Vespers. Right, and it doesn't work. So I have to have, I usually have my meal at noon or a little after um, so that I have a little something uh, for the services in the evening. And then during the week, it would be no meat and dairy, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then maybe Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, so you can do whatever you want. But for the minimum, Good Friday and Clean Monday are strict. The rest, they have on the calendar of fish on Friday. <laughs> All right? We should be doing Wednesday and Friday anyway. It's, it's in the Didache. It goes back to the Apostles. We don't fast like the Jews on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. And we know the reasons why. So we need to do something more than the bare minimum. And so you pick between the, whatever it is, what we should go to the and what is here, and you find the place that you can do it with your family. And everybody is going to be in a different place with different needs. When I was young and laboring on a roof as a laborer, there's no way I could get by on that kind of diet. I wouldn't be able to give my employer his value to work. I would just get loopy and I might injure myself or another employee. But now I should be able to do more because I don't have that kind. So you have to remember, with your jobs, you have to give your employer you know, the value of the work he's paying you for. So that means you've got to adjust your fasting so it does not affect your, what you're doing for your employer. Because that's not just it. Okay. The next thing, charity. When we get into the great fast, you're invited to somebody's house that may not follow our, our dietary restrictions or whatever. And they offer you something that you're abstaining from. Eat or whatever, dairy or whatever. Charity obliges you to accept it. Now, if there's alternatives, oh, Father, we have fish, we have meat, we have that, well, then you can, you can choose, right? But if they, they spent all week preparing for you know, this wonderful meal that's going to consist of fish with hooves, okay? <laughs> Enjoy it. Be thankful. You don't have to go back for seconds and thirds. <laughs> and you don't have to take the biggest piece. But charity obliges you. Because the damage you could do would be greater than the graces you would have gained. Okay? So remember that. Now 
Now, if you can abstain from all those things, all the better. When we enter into the great fast, it should feel different. It should sound different. It should smell different. It should taste different. This season has been created, given to us by the fathers to create a space for us to enter into the desert and spend time with our God, to reflect on our lives, our sinfulness, and try to find a path through that with God's help and grace to relieve ourselves of those sinful inclinations so we can open our hearts to love. Love of God and love of neighbor. But what good is it if we're fasting and yet we're binding our neighbor, as John Chrysostom would say? Your fasting has done you nothing. If you bind yourself, I'm abstaining for steak on Fridays, but I'm chewing somebody out. I'm swearing at whoever it is. You've lost it, according to John Chrysostom. You've gained nothing. So we need to abstain with our tongue, our minds, and our hearts as well. Now, if you want more specifics or anything, you're welcome to call me or whatever. But those are just some basic things. This next week uh, is Cheese Fair Week, so we will start abstaining in our church for the Anapa Prayer, for the Eucharistic Prayer. So Wednesday and Friday is called the Day of Alleluia, uh, where we will have mountains uh, with one of the hours, uh, uh, but there will be no Eucharistic Prayer. We will have that. And then when we get into the Great Fast, all days of the week are Alleluia, and so we will have you know, mountains in the morning every day. Wednesdays and Fridays, we will have pre-sanctified liturgies, which are vespers with the pre-sanctified gifts that I consecrated this Sunday before. You should be having your spiritual reading lined up. It would be good to have uh, something for formation, for information, and for formation. And I have a couple books, one about church history or whatever it is, and then something from the Father, spiritual life. Okay? Uh, you know, Gregory Nisa's, you know, uh, Moses, what's that book? Thank you. Life of Moses, that's one thing I want to consider. But there's many others. So take this series as an opportunity to really enter into uh, our faith. It's, it's a gift that God has given us. God will say, well, what did you do with everything I gave you? I gave you all these tools. What did you do with them? Did you use them at all? Have a wonderful evening. Allow that love of Christ that's inside you to shine out to others. Let us learn to authentically love one another. Authentic. And by that, we may change somebody's heart. We'll love them through it. We'll love them through it. It doesn't mean we condone what they may do, but we'll love them through it. You are the light of Christ. And you are out to go out and you've been commissioned to baptize all nations and teach them everything he commanded you to do. So go out and perform your mission.